welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to Dads with Daughters. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Lewis, and I am really excited to be able to have you back with us today because every day we're working to be the best dads that we can be, and we're working to raise daughters that are strong, independent women. And today, we're going to be talking to Ted Bunch, who is the Chief Development Officer with A Call to Men. Now, if you've never heard of A Call to Men, we're going to learn all about that today. But Ted is an author, an educator, an advocate, a advocate, an activist, a lecturer. He, he does a ton of different things and is working to end all forms of violence and discrimination against women and girls. Perfect guest for our show. Ted, thanks so much for being here today. Oh, thank you so much, Christopher. It's my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. You know, I am really excited to be able to talk to you about A Call to Men and what you're doing to end violence and discrimination against women and girls. And we're going to talk about that, but we always start the show with some questions about you as a father. I know you're a father of six, so I'm sure you're going to have some good answers for this. <laughs> so, I pre- I, so, so I'm going to jump right in. Now, I want you to turn back the clock okay. and, and think back to that first moment when you found out that you were going to be a father, and, and especially a father to a daughter. What was that reaction what was that experience like? Tell me about that. Wow, great question. So my daughter is the oldest of the six, and there's three biological children and then three adopted as teenagers that came into our lives. And they're multiracial, four black children and two white children. And they're also over the gender spectrum. I have straight kids and I happen to have two queer kids as well. So that gives you a little bit about me and the kids. And my oldest, the first, the one you're referring to in this question, is my daughter, my daughter Maya. And boy, when I first found out about her mom being pregnant, I was thrilled and terrified, right? I was really excited about being a dad. And, you know, honestly, my father had mental illness. So he wasn't in, after about the age of six, my parents divorced and he wasn't in our life. And it's a good thing because, you know, he was really, when he did show up, it was like a storm coming through our lives. So I say all that to say that I never had a dad to like to understand what it is to be a father, to like emulate. And I'm one of three boys, so I never saw girls being raised either. So to have a daughter was exciting, but also scared me. It scared me. And you know why it also scared me? Not only that I did not know, I felt like, well, with a male child, I at least kind of know, you know, I can I I know where to start, right? <laughs> But with a daughter, I was just didn't know. I had no idea. And of course, love is love and parenting is parenting. So it all works itself out. But I was also scared, Christopher, to be honest with you, because I know that the the society that we're in is a sexist, male-dominated society. And that to bring a girl into this world was going to have some additional challenges, right? I'm also a black man. So bringing a boy brings its challenges or bringing a black girl brings its challenges as well. But so there's the race issue that she would be dealing with, but also the sexism issue, right? Because as a man of color, I do have male privilege in the same way that white men have male privilege, right? So I was really afraid for her because it's not safe for our daughters, unfortunately, right? When I look at fathering together, I'm sure some of the conversations fathers have is the lack of safety, feeling like I have to protect my daughter in a different way than I have to protect my my uh, 
my son. So I was thrilled, but also terrified. And I'd love to talk more about that whole piece around father and daughters and safety. No, I think that that's great. I have to be honest. I mean, I felt the same way. I mean, in, in coming in, I was an only child. So I had no brothers, no sisters. You know, I had a father that was present in my life. And I guess an example of what fatherhood could be. But I think all of us have to redefine that for ourselves. And we have to figure that out for ourselves to figure out do I want to emulate the same things that I've seen? Do I need to try something different? I knew I had to try something different because I was having daughters, right? I, you know, when I first had my first daughter, I hadn't spent a lot of time around young girls, you know, understanding what it meant to be a father to a daughter, you know, and definitely had to learn that along the way, knowing that I wasn't going to have all the answers, knowing that I was going to make a lot of mistakes. And I yeah. think I probably still make mistakes now. Oh, and uh, I'm sure I do. And, and the fear thing, I think, is is definitely something that all of us face, right? When we look at the world today and we look at the safety of our daughters, I think that I think all of us are trying to figure out, okay, how do we prepare our daughters to be able to not only be strong, independent women, as I said at the beginning when we when I started the show, but beyond that is how do we raise them to be safe, understanding of their of the world around them, understanding about the way that the world works and what they might need to do to be able to be safe in a world that is not always safe. And we have to do that with our sons too, in some aspects too, I think. But I think for fathers of daughters, I mean, there's a heightened awareness that we have to be aware of. Now, I guess let's delve a little bit into that because I know that you said that that Maya is your oldest daughter. So you had to kind of figure this out as you were going along. And part of this, I know when we started, you st started saying that a call to men really started from some of the building blocks of this. So talk to me about as you, your daughter was born and, and she started and, and that fear that you had about the world around you and in the world that she was being born into. What are some of the things that you had to learn personally to be able to then start to convey, to start to help your daughter to understand the world around her so that she was aware, but also that she was prepared. Yeah, wow. Well, so first of all, as a father, I feel like I tried to be the father that I wanted from myself, right? Like that was what I, when I give to my kids, no matter what child it is, Maya or any other, it's, you know, wanting to be the father that I want. What would I have wanted as a child, right? Because I didn't have that. And, you know, just as you said, we don't do it perfectly. I'm sure I've overcompensated in many ways, <laughs> right? I'm sure of that. There's no doubt about that. But it was really, it's also partially about healing the inner child, that little boy within me also, right? Because it's all connected. So, with safety and Maya and the and the and the daughters in our lives and the women in our lives, even for the men who are listening, you know, wanting them to be safe and, and protected. The issue is not with the women or with the girls. The issue is actually with how we raise our boys and what manhood looks like, right? So a call to men, our vision is to create a world where all men and boys are loving and respectful and all women, girls, and those in the margins of the margins are valued and safe. I founded the organization in 2002 with Tony Porter, and I suggest every man check out his TED Talk. GQ Magazine said it was one of the top 10 TED Talks every man should see. It's on our website at calledthemen.org and uh, on Ted's website, of course, as well. But 
I bring all that up to say that I was the the work was born out of a call to men was born out of the need for us to break the silence of men about what's happening to women so that our girls could grow up to be in a safer world. And let me just explain that a little bit. So when we look at domestic violence and sexual assault, right, those are the things that any father is concerned about with his daughter, right? Dating violence, sexual assault of some kind, or domestic violence if they're in a, as they get older, if they're in a relationship, or dating violence if they're in high school and college, so forth. And so when we looked at domestic violence, and I ran the largest domestic violence offender program in the country here in New York City. <clears throat> I was working with men who batter, 600 men a week, all court-mandated men, 20 classes in English, 10 in Spanish. This was in the late 90s. And then Tony and I were doing work, similar work, and we got together and really said, you know, when we look at violence against women, the overwhelming majority of violence against women is done by men, but the overwhelming majority of men are not violent, but we're silent about those that are, and that's as much of the problem as the violence is. So let's speak to the silence. Let's speak to the men who are doing the right thing in their lives, but simply don't see that women outside of their family are not a concern to them. And we all have to be concerned about it. So even when I bet if I had your uh, audience, the dads on the line right now, and I could ask them whether your daughter was two years old or 16, has another man said something like this? You better get your shotgun ready. Every man will say, yes, I see you nodding your head, Christopher, right? Has that happened to you? I've definitely seen it. That's something that I try to uphold or I try to, I try to get people to think about way, things in a completely different way, but, but definitely I've heard it and I've seen it even in the communities that we run. And it's something that we try to say, you know, talking about violence or talking about this, even in jest, is not, it's not going to help us. It's not going to help moving the conversation forward and helping our daughters in any way. Right. But what will help our daughters is if we recognize what that man is saying to us. See, that's not about our daughters. That's about our sons. What that man is saying to us is better get your shotgun ready because it's not safe out here for her. Better get your shotgun ready because we don't value girls or women. Better get your shotgun ready. That's what he's saying because because men's violence is so prevalent and it impacts women and girls. So much so that we have a high school curriculum called Live Respect, Coaching Healthy and Respectful Manhood that's in high schools around the country. We also have a book of dares that just came out, which is 100 Ways for, for Boys to be Kind, Bold, and Brave, which is all focused on gender equity, authenticity, and healthy, healthy masculinity. But I bring it all up because we have to start teaching our boys differently because then we'll be, they'll become men who are different. So with this high school curriculum, I just want to share is that we ask high school boys all around the country, boys in your community, boys in my community, they look just like your, the kids in your community and the kids in my community. We asked them a couple things. One of the things we asked high school boys was, can you define consent? And only 19% of our high school boys, good boys now, could define consent. Well, why do I bring that up? Well, because if they don't know what consent is, they don't know how to value our daughters. They don't know what boundaries are. For our daughters, it explains sexual assault in the military. It explains sexual assault on college campuses. Our boys think no means try harder. So when we talk about fathering together and our daughters, we have to address the issue of our boys because what's threatening our daughters is 
how we're teaching our boys to become young men. And that's what that's what the work of a call to men is, is around healthy manhood, healthy masculinity. So it's really around looking at our daughters because our daughters are capable and competent, just like our wives are capable and competent, right? But we don't project that often as a society. I'm not talking about the individual men, dads or husbands or boyfriends on the call. I'm talking about as a society. And so what we need to do, Christopher, I tell this story often. Do you mind if I tell a quick story here? Oh, please do. So my daughter, Maya. Okay. So think about how old, how old are your daughters? I've got a 16 and a 13 year old. Okay. Your 13 year old daughter, right? Okay. So I have a daughter too, Maya, which you know about. She's 31, going to be next month, right? I live on Long Island. She went away to school. She went to school in Charlottesville. In uh, She went to UVA, University of Virginia. So it's about a six-hour drive, right? So picture this, Christopher, six hours for you to get to your daughters if they needed you, right? That's a long time, man. Six hours. I can't just go to a party and get her or go to the mall because you have an issue. It's going to be six hours. I'm not getting on the flight, man. I'm getting on. I'm going to the car. I'm driving because I can't go through TSA. All I, I, I don't have the time. I got to get to my daughter, right? So Maya wanted to live off campus her last year as a student at UVA with two other young women. So I drive down with her mom. We look at an apartment and we choose an apartment. I'm driving back and Maya calls me and says, Dad, when you bring my things down, will you also bring me a pair of, my old, of your old shoes or boots? Well, why would you want a pair of my old shoes or boots? Well, to put them outside the door. Why does she want to put them outside the door? To give the impression that a man lives there. Why does she need to give the impression that a man lives there? Because she doesn't feel safe. Now, UVA is not any more dangerous or any safer than any other college town. It's a, it's a college town. But she doesn't feel safe, right? So, well, you can imagine, did I get it? I'm going to ask your audience to answer this. Do you think I got out of the shoes? Uh, yes, I did. I wear a size 11. I wanted to buy a pair of 16, dip them in mud, and put bloodstains on the toe, okay? They can't be big enough, right? Now, wouldn't it be great, though, Christopher, that when your 13-year-old daughter leaves for college or leaves out on her own, she leaves your home, she doesn't have to put shoes outside the door. How do we get there? Because that's where we need to be, because then we don't have to worry about our daughters being threatened. If we start teaching in our culture that women and girls are, have the same value as men and boys, right, then we start eradicating this male dominance and this sexist society. And that's what's going to make a difference. And they can live freely and hopefully safely. Well, exactly. I think that 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 is definitely the goal that that we all should have. I mean, as fathers to daughters, we want that for our, our daughters to be able to go out in society and feel just as comfortable as any of us would feel when we're walking out, when we're living anywhere, that we can walk on the streets and feel that we are completely safe or live anywhere and feel completely safe. Now, I guess the question, though, that, that it's raised with that is, what are the steps that we need to take to get there? And I, I know that's a huge question, right? And, th and there's a lot of layers to that. But especially for dads with daughters, and maybe we don't have sons, but we have our daughters, what are some steps that we can take? What are some steps that a call to men are, is taking to be able to work toward that goal. This is what Call to Men was born out of, in that you remember when I said that most men aren't violent, but we're silent. So the solution is to speak to the silence. And the way we do that, right, is to not indict men for being men, 
or two. It's not an indictment on manhood. And it's not even about calling men out. It's about calling men in, right? So, and the way we call men in is to look at the collective socialization of men. It's not about those men, even those men who do those horrible things that we worry about. It isn't only about that. We want them to be held accountable, but there's an environment that allows them to exist. And so when we look at the collective socialization of men, now we work with, as I said, from kids all the way up through colleges, through grassroots organizations, Fortune 500 companies, all professional sports leagues, NFL, NBA, National Hockey League, Major League Soccer, Major League Baseball, all of them, military, law enforcement. And the conversation is one around the collective socialization of men. We call it the man box, right? That we're taught to live in this man box. And what's in that man box is all the things you would think about. You know, don't ask for help. Don't be vulnerable. Be in charge. Don't show any emotion except for anger. All of those things. By the way, the man box, men live about six years less than women because we're dying from all these stress-related illnesses. Our suicide rate is about three and a half times higher than women. (laughs) You know, anxiety and depression is out the roof for men because we're not taught to talk about what's going on. We're taught to either move on from it or react to it from aggression or ignore it or just keep it moving. There's all kinds of things there. But part of that collective socialization for men is that we're taught three things, that women and girls have less value than men and boys, that women on some level are the property of men. So if if I'm in your listening audience, Main Street USA, and I see a man today, go over to his wife or girlfriend and he hits her. And I walk over to him and say, hey, knock it off. He's going to tell me to mind my business right? We all know the answer to that. How do we know the answer to that? That's our collective socialization, right? And that we are taught to, that, that women and girls, the third thing, less value is first, the other is property, and the th- third thing is that we're taught that women and girls are sexual objects, especially. And let me give you a quick example of that, is that we have a high school boy in your community, Christopher, or the, or the community of anyone in your listening audience. Great kid. His name's John. He's taking Kathy out to a movie. This is before COVID, of course. He's taking Kathy out to a movie, and he gets on a group text. He's a high school senior. Kathy's also a high school senior. He gets on a group text with a couple of his buddies and says, hey, guys, I'll hit you guys up later, right, after the movie. So he goes to the movie, takes Kathy home. He's a perfect gentleman. He gets back on his group text and says, hey, guys, I'm back. Is the first thing they ask him how was, is how was the movie? No. Right. Because it isn't about the movie. If you're spending time with Kathy, it's supposed to be about one thing. And if you're not going after that one thing, then there's something wrong with you. That you're falling short of that manhood that we, my generation of men, has taught them that they have to live up to. So where's the entry point? The entry point is looking at all of us, how we've all been socialized in this male-dominated society to see women as having less value, property, and, and being objects, and that how all of that impacts us. It impacts how we raise our boys. It impacts how we are as men. And that's the work of a call to men. I commend you because you've been doing this now since 2002, and the the work itself is definitely not something that is easy to do, but it's something that needs to happen and definitely conversations that need to happen. The groups that we have in Fathering Together, we're constantly pushing for this, but we run up against the same cultural mores and, and values that have been instilled, Right. And, and sometimes we get people in the groups that are, that don't agree with the, the, the ideals that we're trying to espouse either. And I'm sure you get that too. You know, you get people that are, 
that that are feeling one way or that have grown up one way that that feel this and and are perpetuating the conversation. So when you say to not be silent, I guess one thing that comes to mind that I would ask is this. Are there one or two things that would allow for a person that may not feel comfortable walking up to that guy saying, hey, you got to stop. What the heck are you doing? Is there something that a man can do to be able to breach that fear that they may have internally to be able to, to start to speak up and to be that advocate so that they can then be able to break the pattern. Yeah. So, and and I appreciate you bringing that up because I'm not suggesting that every man, if they see some man being violent with a woman is going to intervene, nor should he. It's really around, you know, we have to assess our own safety, whether we're comfortable with that, but we can certainly call the police. We can certainly, if it's in a public area, let's say a restaurant, we can go to the manager, that kind of thing. But that situation that I brought up is less usual than our daily activities as men. So what we can do is really start looking at how do we see ourselves? What have we been taught about gender, right? What have we been taught about, like, not saying things that denigrate women and girls? Like, what are we doing that can promote real equality for women and respect and value for women and girls? Like, what can we do? Other than because we love our daughters, that's easy. Right. That's an easy thing to want to protect our daughters, love our daughters, you know, that there's a special place that a daughter has. But what about the women and girls outside of our family? Like so we can start doing that, which means even conversations with other men in our lives, not saying things that denigrate women and girls or members of the LGBTQ transgender nonconforming community. You know, uh, I had a whether it's guy might be out on the golf course with another guy and he's teeing off and, you know, he says, OK, sweetheart, or, you know, not, uh, you know, or something related to a woman or a girl that kind of puts the next guy down because that's how we kind of joke with each other at the expense of women. And so we want to really challenge those things. Also, what we can do is really start being comfortable sharing what's going on in our lives, like being more vulnerable. See, we see that as something that women are supposed to do. But guys, it's killing us. Like we're literally dying from these rigid notions of manhood that are just antiquated, you know, anxiety, depression. You know, we just aren't taught to ask for help and we need to start doing that. That's why it's important that you see like the Michael Phelps speaking out around mental health. You'll see commercials with Michael Phelps, even on the Calm app. LeBron James is on the Calm app talking about mental fitness, you know? So we really need to do that because when we do that, then it opens up a whole nother world for ourselves as men. And we're not so kind of gendered in women do this, men do this, right? That's really important. It is so important. And I truly appreciate all the work that you're doing with this because I think it it definitely needs to happen. And at the same time, as I said earlier, it's not an easy conversation. It's not an easy thing to be able to do, but it is definitely something that we have to keep striving for, keep working for, to be able to get people to open up, to be vulnerable, to mm-hmm. shed that, I'm going to say the armor yeah. that we build up over many years. And I know it's not going to be easy. You know it's not going to be easy, but it's definitely something we all need to do to be able to do that. Join Fathering Together this March for the Stand Up Dad Summit. 
an online conversation series about what it means to be a dad supporting gender equity. We have collected experts and fathers to answer questions and offer ideas of how to inspire your household to value gender equity. Join us every Monday in March for a different panel with its own theme, encompassing how to support women of all ages in your life. During these conversations, panelists will share ways to support gender equity as parents, partners, workers, and community members through personal action, advocacy, and building a better understanding of healthy masculinity and engaged fatherhood. More information can be found at our website, fatheringtogether.org. I always finish these interviews with what I like to call our Fatherhood Five, where you get to answer a few more questions about being a dad. Great. So first and foremost, in one word, what is fatherhood? Love. When was the time that you finally felt that you succeeded at being a father? I think that it's a process still. I'm still learning. I don't feel like I'm a perfect dad by any stretch of the imagination, but I think that when my son came out as gay at 15, he's 18 now, my celebration of him and his authentic self was, that's a moment that I'm very proud of. How would your kids describe you as a dad? <laughs> um... They describe me as a real loving, wonderful dad, you know, really. And I feel pretty confident in saying that. And I think it's partially because I really hear them. I see them. I do my best to not control them. And when I make a mistake, which I do, I'm quick to acknowledge that. And I think that they really feel respected as a result of that. That says a lot about you as a dad. And being able to respect your kids, to be able to lift them up is definitely something that's so important for all of us to do. Now, who inspires you to be a better dad? I guess I'd have to say my children, you know. Uh, I really want to be the best father I can be to them. And as I said, we have three who have come into our life as teenagers. And I just love kids. And if I see a kid with a need, you know, I want to support them as being a healthy man in their life. So, you know, I think I've learned a lot from my children. Now, you've given a lot of different advice today that are going to make fathers that are listening today really think. But if there was another piece of advice or one piece of advice you want to leave a father with, what is that piece of advice? To become as vulnerable as you can, really, right? That vulnerability is not a weakness. It's actually a strength. And it's a paradigm shift for us as men. You know, it's a, like a muscle you have to develop. You know, I've had to work at being vulnerable and saying, I don't know, or saying, you know, uh, um, you know I'm feeling sad or hurt or afraid. Like those are things that I think you'll find on the other end of that, that it strengthens you and it really accesses people to you in a different way. Well, Ted, it has been my pleasure having you here today. Now, I know that I Call the Men has, they have training, they have events, they have other things that are going on, things that are going to help dads be better dads. If people want to learn more about a Call the Men, be a part of some of those trainings and events that you're going to be having, where should they go to get more information? Thank you, Christopher. And thank you for the time today. I appreciate you using your platform to amplify our work and the work that you're doing with Fatherly Together. They can go to acalltomen.org is our website. Everything is on there. Any kind of trainings, events, articles, uh, also our book of dares, which is for eight to 13 year old male youth. So if you have sons as well, or there's boys in your community that you want to share that with. It's really great. And it's about gender equity is one of the main focuses. And um, on social media, we are at A Call to Men. And I'm on Instagram, ted.bunch, B-U-N-C-H.
Well, Ted, I truly appreciate you being here today. And thank you again for all the work that you're doing to be able to help our daughters in so many different ways. And I wish you all the best. And you, thank you. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be